Fight fans, it's your man, The Voice. As promised in the last episode of Aftermath, this is part two. So enjoy as we continue to talk about Bellator 201 and go all in to PFL number three coming out of D.C. Enjoy. All right, back at it again. Uh, as we were saying in the first portion, looks like Eliminate McFarland will be taking on Valerie Letourneau next. Uh, what are your thoughts about that potential matchup? Uh, I like it. I think there's going to be enough pressure from Letourneau. She, um, as we were trying to discuss uh, in the first little section there, uh, how she was able to defeat uh, Christina Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, she was she was willing to uh, kind of walk through uh, some of the shots that she was taking and uh, keep the pressure on, which was eliminating a lot of the um, uh, strikes and such, mm-hmm. um, and, and the power. Um, I don't think the strategy will be necessarily the same because you don't really want to get into a clinch with a Lima Lay McFarland. I think it's a good matchup. Um, but I think Lima Lay McFarland is kind of in a league of her own right now. Uh, we talked, you talked a little bit about, um, uh, her rise a little bit like Ronda Rousey. And, uh, I believe that if Bellator was a larger promotion and, and was synonymous with MMA the way UFC was, I think you'd be seeing that um, that meteoric rise, much like Rousey. I think she's just uh, Alima Lee McFarlane is just a savage, <laughs> and, she, and uh, yeah. I think it's a good matchup. Again, I think uh, Valerie Letourneau is a grinder, and I think she will go out there and give a hundred and ten percent, no doubt. Uh, I think it'll be a, a fun fight to watch, but I just it's hard for me to not see uh, McFarland taking this one, uh, ev- even uh, against a, a grind grind out kind of opponent. <laughs> I just see this going to the ground, and and that might be it. Yeah, I mean that's how McFarland has won her fights, with the exception of her first fight, that viral. Uh, sensation of knocking out the soccer mind. Well, she, I mean, she caught her clean. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, no, you know, no, uh, no qualms about that. But obviously, and it again, it showed in her fight against Williams. Uh, Letourneau is a seasoned striker, even though Williams has all that kickboxing background. Uh, you could tell the the difference in the experience level when they fought each other, the the dipping and the head moving and things. And that's one thing that we really haven't, well, I can't say we haven't seen because when she fought Rebecca Ruth, Rebecca Ruth was catching her with some things on the feet as well. But Lima Lay was able to pull off the victory there. So it, it'll be definitely an interesting fight uh, and something that I look forward to seeing. Uh, another fight that I knew if it went a certain way, it would, uh, or I should say if it stayed on the feet, that one person will win. And if it went to the ground, that um, uh, <laughs> another person will win. That was Syed Awad and Ryan Couture. 
I'll say this. Ryan had some interesting ways of getting inside. He was throwing some kind of crazy strikes to get close enough to uh, grapple with him. But, um, yeah, that did not help him get the fight to the ground. Uh, And the only time it went to the ground, the assassin hit him with a really good body shot to get him there. And then took him out with a barrage of strikes. And so that was that was that for that fight. Did you have any uh any further comment regarding Mr. Awad and uh uh Ryan Couture? Uh not much. I like seeing uh Side Awad um just uh starting to kind of get back on track. Um I, I like seeing him fight in Bellator. Um he, he brings a lot of excitement uh to that promotion in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I like seeing this side of Wad that is able to just tee off like he did. I believe this is another example of he broke his hand early and mm-hmm. realized, realized he needed to finish the fight early, and he did in, in, in impressive fashion. I mean, fun fashion, something fun to watch. Um, I, I like seeing this, this side of Wad, uh, and I hope we continue to see more of him because I think he, he makes the entire promotion better. Um, you know, I've watched him. Uh, he's, I believe he was one of the first fights when I started dabbling into writing and watching MMA more than just to watch it. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. it was one of those cards where I sat down, I actually kind of took notes. I went and talked with a buddy about it and, <laughs> um, before any of this ever started. So uh, kind of like a little special spot watching, uh, watching. I don't remember who he was fighting. I just remember he was there. So, yeah, it was, uh, it's very rare that Syed Awad is in a fight and it's not exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the main card curtain jerker pit Juan Archuleta and Robbie Problems Peralta. Archuleta had like a dream team in his corner. You got UFC Bantamweight, TJ Dillashaw, <laughs> Cub Swanson, Joe Daddy Stevens. It's like, dude, I mean, Stevens, I mean, he had quite the the uh, cast of characters in his corner training at uh, the training lab and training spelled T-R-E-I-G-N-I-N-G. Uh, and makes sense because Mark Munoz is a part of that specific team, and his team's name was Rain. So uh, kind of a play on words with that, but training there with all of those uh, great people trying to be the upstart camp in California. Uh, He uses uh, effective grappling and a flying knee to win round one. Uh, then round two was rinse and repeat, but oh, in round three, that looping overhand right <laughs> brought, brought Peralta's ticket on the train to Sleepy Town, and then he jumped down and hit him with some hammer fist, looking like DJ. He was throwing him so fast, it was like, like whoa, <laughs> you know that that um that definitely uh, uh, sealed his trip. On the train to Sleepy Town, yeah, he he just really impressed me with his lightning quickness, uh, and not only that, but his willingness to fight. When he got a call that his daughter 
being at vacation Bible school, had a seizure, but he stayed there and fought and then used the post-fight speech as an opportunity to give praise to God. I was like, man, you you have done it for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely sir. done it for me. Yeah, that was, yeah, uh, well, that was that was awesome. Really was. I, I found out about the story uh, after, obviously, significantly afterwards when I finally got home from vacation. Uh, right. I was able to watch it and just to see watching the whole fight. Um, I don't typically watch the. Uh, I don't typically watch any of the announcements or anything, and for whatever reason, um, I left the TV on. I walked out of the room and I came back in during the uh, his post uh, uh, fight. Uh, talking it was it was amazing um yeah it was it was that overhand left who was pretty uh <laughs> was pretty nasty yeah yeah it was i mean just looped all the way around and put him right on his seat well on that card on the prelims and the post limbs you had uh the blue chip prospects and all of them Deliver Ed Ruth keeps <sighs> looking like, I mean, out of everyone, he looks like the real deal. And on paper, he fought his greatest foe to date. And Mariah was 15 and 2 going into the fight and had started fighting since 2003. The last loss that Murad had going into the fight was in 2014. <laughs> well, that was until June 29th. Boy, boy. Round one, I saw it. It was probably a 10-8 round. That, the wrestling rides, the shots under his arm, making him look like a Pez dispenser, the knees to the body, the hooks that were battering his side. I mean, just, just utter domination. And then round two, had much of the same until the stoppage at the very last minute due to the accumulation of punishment. I mean, he just easy Ed makes it look easy and definitely looks like Yeah, I actually have right here the, my very first note for it says Bellator 201 and then in giant letters across it said Ed Ruth needs to be on the main card. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's been on the main card once, but I believe he got buried. Um, in a in the international card that had everybody else that you could think of on it, um, I could. It was a terrible main yeah, card to put him on. Yeah, in, in yeah. Budapest it was a terrible main card to put him on. He was the first fight out, and of course he went out. I believe he actually might have gone to a decision then. Um, so it wasn't even like this flashy thing. But uh, we, you're talking about how Ed Ruth won uh, TKO, I believe. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was KO or mm-hmm. TKO. Um, this is a like world class wrestler who has won most of his fights by punching the crud out of the opponent. Um, not a boring wrestler style. It's not this style where yeah. he'll take you down. He grounded pounds, and he really. This is a guy that has won on his feet. He's won by, I mean, just epic ground, like old school Tito Ortiz posture up and pummel you into the canvas type ground and pound. This isn't a boring fighter. This is a guy that's a world-class wrestler that is out here just lighting people up on the feet. The guy that needs to be on a main card. Yeah. This is a guy that people need to know about. He shouldn't be on prelims on Bellator's app or anything. This is a guy that needs to, to get put out there and put him in that 
not to take anything away from the fight, but this is a guy that needs to have sat either in the Juan Archuleta spot, but even more for me, I would like to see him closer to that uh, uh, Syed Awad, Ryan Couture spot. This guy is the real deal. I mean, you nailed it when you said it. This guy is amazing, and I want to see more of him, and I want other people to see more of him. That's how you're going to grow this Bellator brand. Put fighters like that in front of people. Well, here's my question, though. With that being said, one, I can tell it's a two-part question. First one is, who should he face next? And the second is, since you're saying he needs to be where people can see him, he said something about the welterweight Grand Prix. I don't think so. I mean, this is a guy, again, if I'm not mistaken, this is a guy that's national champion wrestler. Um, uh, I think even multiple Mm -hmm. times. I mean, this is a guy that's been on the main stage. This isn't a guy that's like just starting a career in combat sports and he's trying to get his feet wet. I mean, this is a guy who's, I mean, we, we, we've seen what they've done with Aaron Pico and uh, you know, they, yes, they, in my opinion, I, I, I do agree, but what, what they've done the opposite though, with Ed Ruth, in my opinion, it's like, they want to drag him along so slowly. And I know that I believe he just switched to welterweight. This was his first, first welterweight fight. And Mm -hmm. he's just been so dominant and he's, he's done, Is he seven seven fights now? Uh, I believe yeah, this is his so. seventh, um, and, and he's done what he's supposed to. He looks better every fight. Um, I mean, you 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 kind of touched on it that this was a his hardest competition, and he made it look like like this was the other guy's first fight. I think I think what they're doing, <laughs> right? Like, like exactly, like, like, oh, we're gonna push you against this guy so you can prove yourself, not the not the other way around. And um, I think that absolutely he could do the welterweight um, Grand Prix. Uh, now I'm not saying that he's gonna go out there and win it. I really don't. But I don't think he's gonna go out there and lay an egg. I really don't. And I think that again, if this is a guy that you want to put in front of people. Um, I mean, Aaron Pico has been on main cards and not taking anything away from Aaron Pico. I mean, obviously his finishes have been fantastic, but you're putting him as co-main events against guys that, mm-hmm. you know, haven't beaten a, a 500 fighter in, you know, 10 years, you know, there's these like nobody, other guys. I want to, I'd rather see the fight that Ed Ruth had uh, in Bellator 201, put on a main card. Give me a fighter. That's, that's, uh, a decent fighter and give me this up and coming guy that's going to take him on and, and people are going to start to notice. So I do think that the welterweight grand prix, I know that he mentioned it. I think that would be fantastic. I mean, put him out there. He looks great. He's looked better every fight and he hasn't even really, he hasn't really even used his wrestling yet. We haven't even seen it. So, I mean, you're going to put him in there. He gets rocked once and all of a sudden he goes back into national champion wrestler (laughs) mode and, I mean, I think this guy has a legitimate chance to to do some stuff in this welterweight division. I'm glad he moved up as well. Yeah, I, as you were talking, well, I'll leave, let me let you say who you may think uh, would be next, but I have an idea uh, of someone that would be a severe test for him, but also based on skill set, 
I think he will match up well against. But uh, who would you like to see him fight next? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I, I had a chance to think while you were talking, so I'll talk, and then that'll give you a chance to think. You uh, you may just co-sign, which is fine. Um, but I think the perfect matchup for him would be someone that Bellator just brought in recently and was in one of their more memorable fights. And that would be John Fitch. I think that would be a perfect matchup for him because, as you said, we haven't even seen him really use his wrestling. Now, in his first fight, yeah, he did. He used a lot of it. He used that to get it to the ground, ground and pound the guy out, and that was it. Uh, but he does. He has phenomenal striking for someone who hasn't trained striking, specifically his kicks, his high kicks, and his spinning back kicks. Yeah, it looks like he's been throwing <laughs> those forever. Um, so I would love I, th- I think John Fitch will be a really good matchup for him because he can use his wrestling to keep it upright because that's John Fitch's game. Go in, uh, lock you up, take you down, uh, and grind you out. I think he's, his wrestling would keep him upright, and he may just have the striking to, uh, to put Fitch out. Fitch has not been stopped often and I want to say the last time he was stopped was by Johnny Hendricks but yeah I I think that would be a a good match I I like that a lot actually I didn't even think about John Fitch as I was running through uh some some of the prospects here I think that would be a great test I mean this is a super experienced guy um a, a, a good wrestler in his own right um but I think that man if you can stop a John Fitch if you can stop it, even if you can grind it out and it goes to the decision, um, I think you still win because everybody expects John Fitch fights to go to decision. If you can out, if you can even out John Fitch, John mm-hmm. Fitch, then you know you win that fight and you, you put people on notice. If you can stop him, even better. Uh, I think, and I know this might sound absolutely crazy, but I just started looking through and somebody that would really, I'd really like to see, um, and it might be, it might be a touch early. But I'm kind of talking more fantasy wise than anything. This is what like what I would like to see. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if a, if a I think a Michael Page matchup would be interesting. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say. That. I, I just feel like as <laughs> as far as I mean, just watching Ed Ruth, he's so fast. You you were talking about with the spinning stuff and stuff that this is. I mean, this is a wrestler, not 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 a karate background, mm-hmm. not a taekwondo background. There's no Right. Not not even a boxing background. Like, yes. Uh, I mean, so I think in. and again, I'm probably over overdoing it right now. I mean, overthinking. Um, because I mean I know Paige is probably double his fights at least. Um but I think that would be a really good matchup. I don't know. He he's been he's yeah, been he's been very um very slow build. Um, but I think those two would be great. I mean, you can put – now, I, I understand it could also hurt the brand a little bit because if one of your upcoming stars just gets completely demolished in the first round, it might actually backfire on you a little bit. But I think if you could put an Ed Ruth out there and he can go up against a Michael Venom page and he can just 
even if they can just go three rounds at an all-out war, regardless of if one of them loses, you've just – I mean, you've won what you're trying to do as a promotion. Um, I would like to see it. I believe MVP is in the uh, Grand Prix. So if- they haven't – they have not stated who's going to rumor. be in the Grand Prix. I would be – yeah, I mean, if if MVP is not in the Grand Prix, shame on Bellator. That means you have no, uh, no, no right promoting anything if you got MVP and you have a Grand Prix of welterweights and he's not in it. Uh, he needs to be in it, and the first fight that needs to happen between, or I should say, for him. It has to be him and Paul Daly. That fight has to happen. But if you got him and Paul Daly fighting each other in one bracket, and then Fitch and um, and Ruth in the other bracket, and then the the fight, uh, the, the whoever wins those two fights fights each other. I think that would be phenomenal. You got a great storyline. Uh, either way it goes, if um, Fitch were to win and MVP were to win, and then MVP was able to beat Fitch, he can say, hi, not only did I beat you daily, but then I beat the guy who made you look silly if uh, if daily were to win, or I should say, yeah, if uh, daily were to win and um, uh, Ruth were to win, you know, now you're facing just as he would be with MVP, the most polished striker that you've ever faced in the game. Uh, not just a, a rising star, but just a polished strike. You get MVP, but I mean that sells itself. Uh, and then even if Daly were to win and Fitz were to win, now you have a rematch of this fight with all this uh, <laughs> footage that you got of him booing and things of that nature. You got a built-in uh, storyline that would be perfect. Uh, Scott Coker, <laughs> you can just give me free tickets whenever you all come to town. For setting this up for you, uh, you and Rich Child, you're welcome. Uh, you know, just make sure also that when you do come and you do the uh, fighter meet and greets at uh, Dave and Buster's, that I don't have to wait in line and everything. That you put me up front uh, first. Uh, that that's fine. That, as long as you're doing that, then then we're good. Because I just set up half of your welterweight Grand Prix on this call. Yes, and it would. That's some. Oh man, that that's perfect. That's that's as good as you can get. There's no bad matchup when it comes to that, because whether you have Ruth winning the fight going against Daly, it's amazing. You know, even if even if he goes to his wrestling, you have a dominant wrestler, not necessarily a boring wrestler. It does nothing but take your rising star. And make him better. If he gets knocked out by Paul Daly, you're not really losing anything. It's Paul Daly. He's really good at knocking people out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I he mean, you know, nearly unless he does something far worse than the flying knee to Brandon Ward, I mean, you're not even going to think about it after that. Like the fight's over. Um, I, I you nailed it with the Fitch uh, Daly matchup. Um, this this uh, rematch of, of one of the sh- most bizarre things I've seen in MMA in a long time. Um, uh, Fitch and MVP would be would be in my opinion quite interesting because you have two huge dynamic and, st- and styles. 
Um, one super flashy all over the place dancing around. The other one, I'm just going to lay on you and I'm going to punch you in the face for 15 solid minutes. I'm going to win, win a fight. Um, but honestly, the easily the best wrestler that MVP would have faced. Uh, and vice versa, the same with uh, – mm-hmm. I think the matchup would still be better with a Ruth because I think while Fitch is a little slower – in the in these these setups, I think that the striking of Ruth mixed with his speed and strength as a wrestler could really really uh, slow down an MVP. Um, I really think it could. I just I, I think you killed it with that welterweight Grand Prix. If it's anything less than that, I might be sad and I might cry a little bit. <laughs> and that now all I have to do is come up with. Uh, the other four on the other side, I say Koreshkov and Lima. That's a great rematch. Uh, if they put Rory in it, um, yeah, that that's a totally different ball of wax and could make it very exciting, uh, especially if the belt is on the line every time he fights. That that could be something that would definitely pull people in because it's not just waiting to get to the end to see who faces who faces. Rory, but if Rory is defending his belt and the belt gets uh, passed along to someone else, and now it's like, you know, it makes all the fights that much more uh, interesting. But either way it goes, however they do it, they do it. Like I said, you put uh, Koreshkov and Lima in the other bracket, and then you need two other fighters. Larkin, I, don't, Larkin. I don't even know. Larkin would be good to put in. Right and, um, oh, yeah, did, that's right, Larkin. I mean, I guess you could throw in like a Dave Rickles just for the fanfare of it all. I'm trying to think of anybody else that's really you would want out there. Maybe one of the Gracies. I think well, Neiman Gracies, Walter Wait. I thought he was. He might. Uh, he might be. I'm sure wait. Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where, where does uh, Lovato fight? No, he's he is uh, Lovato is uh, middleweight. I see them doing a Grand Prix there. Uh, pretty soon too. They got a nice lineup with, of people there now. With Mo going to middleweight, you got uh, uh, what's his name that just came over? Mus- uh, not Musasi, Machida, Machida at middleweight. I can see them doing even doing just like many get on news uh, for them. But it, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 could be nice. All right, let's try to cap things off. I mean, I, I guess it was uh, good <laughs> that this broke up into two. I don't know if I'm going to put it all in one uh, or not, if I'm going to leave it at two, because, man, PFL <laughs> just continues to be, like, must-see TV for fight fans. Now, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that after we get through the the two preliminary fights that when we get to like the semifinals because the quarterfinals the quarterfinals are going to be it might be the quarters and the semis they're going to be fought in the same night which I don't know how that's going to work and be like two rounds and all kind of craziness so I'm still waiting to see how that plays out I guess I'm just part of me is concerned that um, that once they get into the playoffs, people may play it a bit safer because the points don't matter at that point. But man, they are going all 
out in this first matchup of fights every single weekend. Uh, not weekend, but every time it comes on, it's it's phenomenal. And that's F-A-nominal. Just phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. Now, th- this week, it was the debut of the welterweights and the middleweights. John Doomsday Howard and Gassan Umalatov. I'm glad I got that one right. Uh, <laughs> both of them UFC vets. Uh, and going into the fight, Howard was one and one under the WSOF banner, which the PFL is just a reimagined uh, version of that league. Howard hadn't stopped anybody in five years, and Gassam was riding a two-fight KO streak into the fight. All that changed, though. Doomsday hurt him in round one and in round two, got it down to the ground, rear naked choke with about two minutes left, picked up five points, and is in second place in the middleweight division with that victory. Oh, my goodness. Uh, now, one thing I am a bit concerned about for him is that uh, Doomsday, he may have been able to be named Doomsday because he picked up an extra uh, an extra head and looked like that knot on his forehead. And uh, they'll be doing it again in about six weeks, so not a whole lot of time to, to heal up, but I guess enough time for that to go. Yeah. Down. That's the, the fun part of uh of PFL though, I guess. The uh you wanna try to take minimum yeah. and I mean I guess that's for every fight, you wanna take minimum damage and inflict more, but even more so when you know you don't necessarily have six months or a year or four months to your next fight. Um, You're talking a couple of of weeks um, and you're going back out. That's why they have, uh, if you haven't watched PFL, that's why they have the uh, no elbow strikes uh, anywhere. If you've been watching and you're trying to figure out why, that's why they don't want those uh, big nasty cuts for uh, short turnaround fights. But yeah, that's uh, it's even more so here of, you know, take as little damage, but inflict as much as you can, as quickly as you can. Um, if you can get one of those quick, uh, you know, two-minute KOs or submissions, you're going into your next fight nice and clean. No, <laughs> nothing hurts. You took no damage, and you're sitting there at six points. So, right, yes, it's sitting pretty point wise and uh, health wise, you're in a good position. Yeah. All right. So Shamil Gamzatov, uh, he was eight and four going into the fight, taking on tough champion Eddie Truck Gordon. Boy, they were swinging harder than Maguire and Sosa in the late nineties. I mean, you could tell they were going for the highest point total possible. Um, but whenever you're fighting, most of the times it's not a one hit quitter that stops the fight. It's a combination. And in round two, Shamil starts stringing together those combos. Uh, two fighters exchange takedowns in that round, but uh, Gamsatov was definitely the more effective in his ground game. Gordon really looking, not, like I was talking about uh, Christina Williams and Bellator, Gordon looked like an amateur. If I was his striking coach, 
I would be beating his behind. It's like, come on, let's go in here. And all you're going to do is strike because I don't know what he was doing. Well, let me not say that. I know what he was doing, but he looked silly. I mean, all off uh, balance, throwing the, these heavy shots, the fence, having to catch them and, and keep them up. It, oh, my goodness. I, I would fire myself, or I, let me say, I would no longer be a striking coach because I wouldn't want anyone to think that I trained someone <laughs> to strike like that. It was crazy. Uh, no, was you crazy. you nailed that. I was watching this one with uh, with my wife, and we were both taking notes on this. And uh, there became there came a point in the third. Um, I will I will give credit really quick before I go, and I, I kind of uh, be mean to him for a second. <laughs> Um, so if he ever listens, <laughs> he heard that I said nice things about him. Um, Eddie Gordon did, I believe, in the first round have some really, really good scrambles. Um, I think twice he got lo- he got it locked in um, where uh, I believe his back was taken, um, and he was able to sweep out or scramble out um, on multiple occasions. Very impressive. I, I actually said for a guy his size – um, moving that quickly and stuff was, was actually very impressive. Um, so now the bad stuff. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a part in the third round near about minute three where I said if he wants to win this fight, he might as well just start doing what he was trying to do in that first round. You just need to swing for the fences. I mean, just crazy Clay Guida style, just duck your head down, keep that chin tucked, and just start throwing. Um, because you've got you've got to win on my card. He had, I mean, he was very clearly losing the fight. Uh, and so I sat there and I was like, "All right, he's got to throw. He's going to throw. He'll throw. Throw a punch. Throw a punch. Do something. Throw a punch." Throw. And it was probably a solid minute and a half where he just kept walking and didn't even faint anything. Just kept walking forward, get him all the way up against the cage, and wouldn't throw a punch. And uh, he was exhausted. You know why he wasn't throwing punches. <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. He he was absolutely exhausted. But not only that, Shamil kept him frozen with his feints. Because uh, I, I started watching, I was like, because I, I was saying the same thing for really about the first three minutes of that round. He was coming forward, but he was getting tagged. And I started really looking, it was like Shamil was throwing little feints, hitting him with stuff, hit him, uh, let Gordon try to throw something, come back and, and catch him again. He was gun shy because he kept getting uh, tagged with all those punches. I, I said he his uh, feints had uh, truck freezing in his tracks. You know, like an ice road trucker. <laughs> I guess he thought he was an ice road trucker. Not just truck, yeah. but an ice road trucker. Uh, I, I really wish him the best going forward. Uh, you know, it, it's he he lost. He's got no points, but a stoppage in the first round of his next fight can turn everything around. I've always been a big Truck Gordon fan. I was rooting for him to win Tough Nineteen, and he did. Uh, he went on to have a, you know some decent fights in the UFC, and then um, he just couldn't seem to pull off the victory. And uh, and I was hoping he did well in the redemption series and that didn't go well for him. So yeah, I'm really rooting for him, but he's, 
He definitely. Yeah, he's got to throw something. Down. I mean, really, the difference in this fight, in, in my opinion, the difference in this fight was a left jab. I mean, uh, over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Um, Gam- Gams, Gams, Gamzatov, Gamzatov. <laughs> uh, was landing that left jab, just landing it over and over and over and over. And Gordon didn't, he was just, like you were saying, all these off-balance punches because he'd be in the middle of loading up. He'd catch that jab, and now his feet are all separated, spread out, and he was throwing this just ridiculous hook and, and power punch, and most of them didn't even get close. And I would like to see something else, uh, you know, throw uh, throw something. I mean, the last 15 seconds of that round, I was like, man, if you did that for the last minute, you might have been on to something. He was still throwing some some heavy, heavy shots. He, yeah, he sure wasn't. Actually, he did that most of the last minute. It was just that he couldn't yeah. he couldn't break through and land anything clean. Uh, Gamzatov was able to catch most of it on his arms, uh, you know. Then, but he he gave it his all, and he was chasing him around the ring, and then wound up getting caught with some more. Crisp and clean striking from Shamil Gamzatov. And he stays unbeated, unbeated. <laughs> like like towing costs. Unbeated and towing costs. I am on a roll tonight. Uh, but yeah, he stays unbeaten with that victory. Uh, tell me about Rick the Horror Story. <laughs> That's uh I know the announcers are saying it quite a bit, and, and I have to – I will echo their sentiment. Um, the first round looked very weird to me. Um, I know that Story, after the fight, was talking about when he got in there that the um, it was kind of slick, and so he was trying to, uh, I guess, walk a little more flat-footed in order to have better traction or something similar. But um, it did look very mechanical. He looked kind of like a robot in all of his movements. He kind of kept his arms in the same place and just didn't look uh, – I mean, I still had him winning the first round, uh, but I didn't. Ha- it wasn't anything impressive. Um, but I don't know what the heck happened between round one and two and three. It was like two completely different fights because um, Yuri Villafort in the first round was active, was moving, was left and right, was circling out, was throwing kicks, was throwing punches, was defending well, uh, was, was uh, you know, uh, working for, for, for his own takedowns. And, and all of a sudden, round two, uh, I don't know if he got clipped. I, I'll have to watch it again. I had it recorded. I, I Definitely a fight I want to watch again to try to figure out what happened at this time. But something happened where Story put him up against the cage and had to have landed 30-something shots. And I don't think Yuri Villafort even moved. He just was standing there and would, would every now and again would duck, and then he'd get hit up again, and he'd stand there on the cage and would just take, punch, <laughs> take punishment um, for, you know, 30 seconds or so. And then he would circle out, and I think at one point I texted you and said, no. um, I actually had round two. <laughs> Um, and I'm surprised that nobody else did, but I had it at least round two. I had that as a 10-8. Uh, I mean, there was, what, 57 strikes to nine or something ridiculous. I know they weren't all significant, but it was like 57 landed strikes to, to like nine strikes in the second round. And I I, tr- I 
was very surprised. I mean, I know that they didn't stop it because he never, you know, fell or never did anything crazy. But I, I thought for sure, you know, they're going to call this fight at some point. He's literally just teeing off on this guy against the fence. And the guy's not, Yuri wasn't even moving. I said, I almost wonder if he, he got clipped hard enough that he doesn't even really know where he's at. And he's trying to figure out why this, well, <laughs> it's just what it seemed like. I mean, he wasn't defending. He wasn't trying to really punch back. He was every now and again, he'd swing hard and high and it turned into a mm-hmm. very, very one-sided affair and then to get the unanimous decision at 30 27 shocked me because i believe all all three uh judges had it 30 27 i was very surprised there was not at least one 10 8 in there um because i think you could have made the case that round two and three were a 10 8 round um i know there was never yeah i I would say it was pure dominance on one side and not the other pure domination for the the entire time yeah and really i think what Helped with turning the tide in round two was his body work. He on the feet and on the ground. He was throwing some really, really heavy body shots that sucked the life out of uh out of Yuri. He he was just standing there taking it because he couldn't do anything else. All he could do was muster up enough strength to throw those, you know, one or two heavy shots and then come back and, and try to catch his wind. You saw him after that round. I mean, he was he was sucking wind big time. Uh and I know Rick's uh his nickname is the whore. Well Ville Ford's gonna be having some nightmares <laughs> no, about those kidding. body shots. I also too. did uh and I'll give uh Rick's story a little shout out here. My wife has now said that that is her favorite fighter because she loves his nickname and how it plays with his actual name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah He's the like, that's the greatest story. nickname yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> It it is that that that's uh, that's pretty good. It is uh, pretty legendary. <laughs> now uh, the well, there are no co-main events. Every fight is uh, is a main event. But uh, Khabib's adopted little brother, his cousin, I can definitely understand that because I'm a brother for people. I should be their cousin too. So uh, yeah, he was once beaten entering the fight, but once beaten. No more took on fellow Eastern Bloc standout Pavel Kush. The two face each other as amateurs, and as the cliche goes, history is the greatest predictor of the future. And Pavel picked up victory once again, coming from behind to uh, drop Namagamedov and then sink that rear naked choke in. And I think I texted you and I said, I, or do you believe in miracles? Because a booba car was killing. Now, on this card, nearly everybody with a MAGA med in their name won, except for a booba car, which is the one who was probably favored to win. But he was definitely living up to the MAGA med uh, <laughs> mythology in the fight until he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I mean, you can say it's MMA. You can say it's whatever. But I think a lot of it comes down to uh, the the format that is PFL. Um, I mean, I, I think that uh, Pablo realized that he was down pretty clearly in the the thing. He wanted the extra points. 
and he just went crazy for about 30 seconds and, and caught him with that uh with a very strong uppercut that wobbled him and then yeah. jumped on him immediately uh i believe took his back yeah, he jumped straight to his back, back and, if I'm not mistaken, and then got him with that uh, rear naked, and it was in deep on like the first try. Yeah, and uh, and it was a lot. Yeah, of there was no. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, and um, yeah, it's. I was just about to text you as soon as I picked up my phone. I saw that you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, that that was crazy, and the announcer said that of his. Let's see, he was 22 and 5 going in. So, of his uh, 23 victories, like 21 of them have been by submission. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he continues to do at in the welterweight division in PFL. Well, speaking of welterweights in PFL, the final fight of the night pit. Former Strike Force and former WSOF welterweight champ Jake Shields against Ray Brother Cooper the Third. Oh man, um, yeah, t- just talk to me about this fight. This fight was start to finish a fight that probably never sh- should have happened. Um, Ray Cooper the Third, holy smokes! I cannot wait to watch him in this tournament or this this format again. Um, but I, I had uh, a 10, eight on the first round easily. Um, and I was surprised that, that shields made it out of the first round. Um, I thought for sure. Mm. Cause I think he went, he went down at least once in the first round, possibly twice. Um, second round, mm-hmm. he went down two times, maybe three. Um, if I'm trying, I'm trying to remember which ones were w- which round. Uh, I mean, it was like every single. I mean, first of all, the precision from Cooper was r- remarkable. Um, the shot, some of the shots that he was throwing, these little short shots um, that were powerful enough to, at one point, uh, Jake Shields' mouthpiece comes flying out of his mouth a different direction right. on a shot that probably didn't move. 14 inches. I mean, this wasn't like a, he pulled back haymaker. I mean, this was a short, a short little shot right up the, like a little uppercut while he was on the ground and his mouthpiece goes flying five feet. It was mm-hmm. pure domination. Um, so fast, so fast. We talked about Ed Ruth a little bit ago. Um, and, and even MVP. I mean, this was one of the fastest young men I've watched fight. Um, just solid as a rock, obviously. I'm super excited to to watch him again. I don't care who it's against. Um, I thought the matchup was eh. I think they did it more for this ridiculous storyline of some re- avenging your father thing from 14 years ago. Well, he, he surely avenged uh, the the family sure member of Cooper. It, it was a rubber. It was a rubber match, but that was not for, for the the namesake. It was a rubber match, but that was. Well, I, I'll say this though: going into the fight, Cooper's uh, thirteen and four. Of his losses, three of those four losses came by submission. So it seemed on paper like if it stays on the feet, 
then uh, Cooper's going to win because most of his wins have been by knockout. If it goes to the ground, then you're in Jake Shields' world. That uh, Caesar Gracie black belt will go into full effect and he'll be in trouble. So I was surprised when, well, one, he took Shields down fairly easily. That wasn't as surprising because Shields wants it on the ground. So who's to say that he was really giving any kind of resistance regarding that? But the dominance that he showed on the ground, that uppercut, um, you know, we, we talk about the PFL format and how it's set up to keep from getting, you know, too much damage or, you know, the fact that they got to fight again so soon, he was cut above and below his eye. I don't know if that's going to heal enough in six weeks for Shields to be able to fight again. And he was hurt bad. Like, he was on the ground for a while. He was sitting on the stool for a while. I mean, he put it on him, and I did not see this coming whatsoever. Uh, I didn't either. Um, I did. I wasn't. I'm trying to think how to say this without, you know, like, well, I know the outcome. I wasn't a big fan when they kept talking about it, um, just knowing the age discrepancy. I always find that mm-hmm. kind of strange. Um, you know, I believe Shields is 37, 39. You know, and he's Something fighting a 24-year-old, 25. Um, you know, there's a lot of miles on, on Shields' uh, uh, treadmill there on the tires. Um, yeah. I understand it. I understand that, obviously, he, he signed up for it. I mean, it, it, whatever it was. Um, I, I also agree with the on-the-ground thing, but I don't know if it was something that was respectable or something that was just dumb, but somebody should have just stopped that fight after the first round because especially knowing what she, what was going to happen. I know shields was knocked out twice in that fight. The, 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 um, whatever the shot was, I can't remember if it was an uppercut or if it was a, that short left, um, that knocked him out basically the beginning of the end. Um, that knocked him out. I mm-hmm. mean, you watch the replay and you can actually see where he face plants right into the ground. And when he hits the ground, it wakes him back up and he rolls over, looks around really quick to find him and, and spins his body. I mean, he was out on his feet. Um, I mean, you can see right where he smacks his face on the ground. Uh, I'm just I'm glad it got yeah, over and that they stopped it shortly thereafter. Um, but I'm pretty sure he went out. There was another shot that um, hit him and he did the same thing. He just crumbled to the ground. And I mean, that was a knockout. He just woke up when he hit the ground, kind of a deal. Uh, yeah, they really should have stopped it uh, at that point. I think I <laughs> tweeted out that human beings are not supposed to bounce like basketballs. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what happened. He just, you say face plant, he bounced. Uh, and then, like you said, that woke him up and he turned over. But they, when that happened, that the fight should have been stopped. I'm not sure if Mario, I think Mario was the yeah, one. It was. He, um, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, hey, salute to him for all that he does. Um, and I know after one very questionable uh, decision that he had recently that I think he went to someone's coaching seminar to get better. Uh, I would say he needs to continue to do that because there's no way that someone falls like that 
and you say, okay, well, no, uh, the fight's not quite over. No, with all the damage that he took beforehand and to fall flat on his face, nobody just falls flat on their face. You put your hands down, you do something. He was out. I agree. Um, It was, and then he ended up taking, I believe Shields took at least four or five more shots. Um, And I will give him credit that he actually Mm -hmm. took more, but um, Mario was there and was actually trying to push him off. I would have liked to have seen him get a little more aggressive a little earlier to where he finally shoved off Cooper Um, because there was a time where he actually had his hand on him. And I think he threw another two or three punches. Um, and I was like, man, get him, get him off, please. <laughs> I mean, you're going to kill this man on this thing. You got to yeah. stop this fight. Um, he was unconscious, you know, 40 seconds ago. Um, I agree. I, I'm very concerned about, I'm with you on the, on the cuts. I think he even might've had a small right uh, cut above his right eye as well. So if that's the case, you're talking about going in with, with two cuts above the eyes, the one below the left eye to go along with it. Um, whatever else might be wrong, um, I would assume concussion. <laughs> yeah, I, I would assume so, too. I would be very surprised if he's fighting again. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. And I think um, for his health sake and you just, you know, just cut this one out. <laughs> Sit it down yeah. because there ain't no million dollars worth whatever else is fixing to happen if you if you get beat up like that again in six weeks. Um, Jake Shields, a guy I, I really respect as a fighter. I don't like. I don't. I don't think. I don't know. Maybe he's he's lost his uh, step there against these young, young, fast, hungry fighters that can obviously pack a wall up in <laughs> a very short distance. Yes, yes, they can. This is uh, definitely a changing of the guard. All right. Well, we have effectively covered two weeks worth of MMA in a little over an hour's time. I think that's not not too bad. Not too bad. Um, so we'll try to do this again. Hopefully it won't be another two weeks before we do it. But uh, if so, it is as uh, Max Holloway's says it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, well, you were talking about your, your previews, which you tweet out, and then you also have uh, your your blog that you write. Share with the people where they can view these things. Uh, get your predictions, because you're a prediction guy. I don't get predictions. So, um, share that. Uh, you can check him out on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Bearded Moose. That is M00SE. So, I got the double zeros in the moose slot. Um, if you want to check out the blog, you can follow through any of those. I usually pin the article, the most recent article to the top, but it is first and inches blog. Um, that's first F I R S T and inches blog dot wordpress.com. Uh, if you want to go in and check those out, uh, I do other things too, you know, fancy football related when that season comes around, but I've really gotten into, uh, especially now I have somebody to talk with on this awesome show. Uh, aftermath uh i've got really gotten into writing more and watching more mma uh so aftermath (laughs) so uh yeah if you want to check those out um i don't 
remember what my record is, so ask. But, uh... <laughs> well, uh, Be- Bellator, you were you were four and one or three and I one. I was two and two for Singapore. I don't remember uh, for Singapore. I think. And was... I... Yeah, I think I was four and one yeah, on UFC. Four on that card, so yeah, four, two and two. Actually, I might have been. Yeah, I think it was four and one on UFC uh, two twenty five. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did the Whitaker. I missed the uh, Colby Covington. Yeah, we did. We did Rafael Dos Anjos. I could have. I could have had the straight, the straight five, but uh, so I'm, I'm doing okayish. Yeah. So y'all can keep me honest. I put that at the end of every uh, of every <laughs> one. I usually I'll tweet it out and then I'll retweet um, with my check or my X, and then I write at the bottom whether or not I got it. But that's a bearded moose. That's B E A R D E D M zero zero S E. You won't find me if you put two zeros or two O's in there. So. All right. Well, uh, next go round, we've got the tough finale. We have UFC 226 and Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series on the agenda. Again, this has been Aftermath. Uh, Your week or two weeks, depending on when we get to it, that was in MMA. Uh, Trackstar Sports is the vehicle that allows us to share with you and uh...